Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast, an incredible duo here on the show that I'm very excited to talk with, man. Jason, Christopher, honored to have you guys on again, man. And you guys are so much more organized than I am when you were asking for like a, like a topic list. I was like, what is that? What are we talking about here? We're going to, we're going to do like an itinerary. And, uh, I know that you guys like to prepare for your shows. And when I have guests, Mm -hmm. I like, to just you know have the conversation basically but with what mm-hmm. you guys talk about and the the content of your show it's all information driven right there's there's obviously your bantering and stuff every now and then but it's a lot of facts and a lot of you know the research that you guys do and uh so i i respect that a lot but just know i am not organized so you know it's nothing against <laughs> you know the planning of your individual show or anything like that just kind of how i i uh run my operation over here but i want to welcome you guys on the show man it was fun last time we chatted um talking about food and all that stuff so how are you guys doing here today you know i can't Pretty speak good. for christopher but i'm doing swell you know if i was doing <laughs> any better it'd be illegal i'd like to hear it i'd like to hear it christopher? wait 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 okay before we get into it swell Uh-oh. is you can't do any better or it'd be illegal because swell i i didn't expect coming from someone of your particular amount of melanin that <laughs> that's what like i was gonna say they... <laughs> you know from a, from from an, a melanin rich perspective swell is almost top of the line and swell is a okay. weird word too you almost have to say it like uh, have you ever heard people that whistle when they say yes it's like swell it's that's swell it sounds like uh like a disney character would say that. i can't believe you could do that on cue <laughs> Oh, I'm that's why solidly, solidly. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Every single that time, that's crazy. Can, we can do the whole show like that if you want. This no, we're gonna lose listeners if we do that. We do that. <laughs> that's wild, dude. You should hear my dad do it. I got it from my dad. He he can do it so loud. He taught you how to do it. No, he didn't. He was just like, you got to figure it out. So and and you know, <laughs> some people do the thing where they hold their their mouth a certain way, but. To this day, me and my sister, we can be in like a crowded room and like a, you know, ha- you know how like uh, stadiums have like in the like a lobby or hallways or whatever you yeah. call that. It's like loud and crowded. You can't hear anything. We can both hear that whistle and we'll both turn around and like we think that we're being addressed by my dad every single That's time. That's hilarious. Dude. Yeah, it's funny, <laughs> man. But I, I like, you know, having, you know, my guests and stuff plug up front. Do you guys have anything that you want people to know about? Obviously, you guys are doing great work on the Patreon. What else? Um, yeah, our Patreon. We should be launching merch here pretty soon, which is kind Ooh. of exciting. We expect to see that uh, coming to the table by the end of the year. Love it. And uh, yeah, we're just every Wednesday putting out more stuff. So awesome! I subscribe to their Patreon, guys. Right, so. I subscribe to the ten dollar tier. What is it? Patreon.com slash ORP podcast. Easy. ORP podcast. Awesome, guys. Yeah, man. Um, 
I think that what you guys do is great. Um, I'm going to plug a couple of things up front here just so we can just, you know, get into the good stuff. Nice, um, go for it. People know I'm doing the conspiracy soap now. It's a fun thing. All, uh, all good stuff. Um, I've got a couple of them sitting right here. All the different scents. I always want to call them flavors for some reason. I guess Don't you can't eat, eat the soap. <laughs> hey, you can eat it, I guess. All four scents. You guess. You're not sure. I wouldn't so, eat it. It yeah, might. The uh, next Wuhan virus is coming out from eating your conspiracy laden <laughs> soaps. Do you remember what we uh, talked about consuming last time? I believe it was heck. No, no it was uh, urine. Pee, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jason was yeah. real. Yeah, you don't remember that? We were, we were oh, about- no, no, I'm grossed out. I, I completely <laughs> fat, flash wiped that. Yeah, just yeah, so you know. All that was know. gone from my memory, and now I'm grossed again. Yeah, just so you know, I haven't done it. I've just, it's just an interesting concept to me. But um, So, yeah, we're doing the Conspiracy Soap. It's available. It's in my link tree. You guys can check that out. Uh, $20 plus a $5 ship- shipping fee for all four bars. People should check that out. DangerousWorldPodcast.com for all the merch. And of course, I run a Patreon as well, um, patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. And if you want CBD products for your pets, go to purepetwellness.com and enter the code DWP. You get 20% off. It's good stuff. So, um, yeah, man, I don't want to, you know, do my normal 20 minutes of plugging. So let's just, let's just get into it, man. What do we have? Cause you guys, like I said, you're very prepared. You came with a list of topics. Well, technically, Ryan, you sent the list out. And I freaked because there was like zero context. It was like, let's talk about Jewish mysticism. Let's get into Kabbalah. We got to talk about these mothers of darkness. I got a little offended at that. I was like, what, what, who you talk about? And I don't know why you want to talk about my mama. That's my stuff. That you want sound- to get to this, right? Didn't sound a little suspect, didn't it? See, dude, you that, had to that, calm me down a little bit. That'd be such was- a great like band name or something, dude. God, that would. I'd have to give it to you. That sounds like a pretty decent <laughs> rock group. Right, and then I think Gladys you want to get Knight to and like the Mothers of Darkness. Yeah, dude, that's better than the Pips. Right, <laughs> you know what I mean? I would have probably listened to it with that one. Right, Come on, let me hear some more of the Mothers of Darkness. Go ahead, drop the fuck. Yeah, that's like you said Iron you Man. wanted to get into uh, Pharmakia and little known biblical characters. Yeah, dude, I, I figured that you guys would be great to talk to you about that. And then you know, of course, I have some questions. You know, we we. Uh, I, I always admire people when they're very like, you know, they follow their faith and they, they can believe in, in, in your guys' case, Christianity and follow it with almost no question. It seems like not that you guys are ignorant to it. Right. But, and I'm sure that you've had your questions and maybe you still do, but you, oh, we've you got ca- tons of them, man. Yeah. And, but you, yeah. you proudly call yourselves Christians, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that, uh, that I always admire, whether it's, you know, Islam or, or whatever, I lean towards Christianity myself. So I think it's, uh, I think it's an important part of a lot of people's lives. And and so, yeah, I'd like to talk about all this stuff and then get kind of your guys' perspectives on this stuff. But um, this whole thing with Jewish mysticism, dude, I know nothing about it. You know, I know a little bit about like the Rosicrucians, which is like kind of Christian mysticism. But, you know, we're, I guess we should start there, man. You know, we got a few things that we want to kind of address here. But uh, I mean, what what got you guys looking into that stuff? Um. <laughs> I, I think it's really interesting because Judaism kind of required a an overhaul, kind of. So the the entire history of the the Hebrews and the Israelites is they were supposed to be separate from all the pagan nations, right? So periodically we see, I guess more than periodically, very frequently they like to dip into um, 
kind of the esoteric or the the pagan, the practicing magic and that and that type of thing. But it was really interesting in 70 AD, the second temple that they had built got destroyed by Rome. And for for Jews, it was very important to go to the temple and, you know, have sacrifice for the remission of their sins. And, you know, that was an integral part of how their entire religious structure was set up. So without the temple in 70 AD, then it kind of let them open to a, a new brand of mysticism because they had to have new answers because now you can't go to the temple, right? So how, how can you be a Jew or a practicing Jew and not have a temple to go to? As a point, though, of clarification, it wasn't just going to the temple. It was going to the temple to make sacrifice. Mm. So the Jews now could no longer atone for the sins of the nation through uh, proper ceremonial protocol using sacrifice because they had no appropriate place to do it because there was no longer any temple. So it definitely screwed up the foundations of ancient Judaism. Now, is that a foundational part? an overhaul. It is. Sacrifices, like, it's not, we're not talking Kabbalah or the mystic part yet, right? We're just talking straight Judaism is, involves a lot of sacrifices. It does, part of the Mosaic law. You can't have remission of sin without shedding of blood, but it wasn't supposed to be human blood, it was animal blood. And when do they turn it into humans, or like what sect of them start sacrificing humans? I think that comes in more with the Kabbalah. I'm not 100% certain, but I think more as they move into Jewish mysticism and as they not only progress into the mysticism, but they also reject Jesus Christ as the Messiah, Mm -hmm. they have to move into a totally different new strand because then they don't have a temple to sacrifice animal blood and they cannot accept the eternal sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So now you have to completely overhaul everything and make it way more mystical and spiritual. Right. And, and the, um, to be clear, the law stated that they had to have animal sacrifice. So specifically um, for like the remission of the sin would be a lamb without defect, right? A perfect mm-hmm. lamb. Mm-hmm. But this is why Jesus Christ is called the, the lamb of God, because right. he was perfect and he was supposed to replace that. And Hebrews tells us that it was never the the shedding of blood of animals that did anything to sin. It was all just to point to the fact that Jesus Christ was going to come and sacrifice himself to do that very thing. Hmm. And on that note, um, the, uh, the kings in Israel were not supposed to have horses because they were supposed to, horses were considered a, a military type power and the power behind Israel was supposed to be donkeys. So when Jesus rides in, to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, as we call it, um, that was him declaring that he was king. Like we miss that on the outside because he's just riding a donkey. And I mean, poor people or people in the mountains <laughs> ride donkeys, you know. Right. But this was actually his declaration of, look, I am the king. I am coming. And it was exactly the amount of time that Gabriel told Daniel in the book of Daniel that this this many days from the, the, the second edict to rebuild the temple – the Messiah will show up on that exact day is when Jesus rode in on the donkey declaring that he is the Messiah on that day. The Jewish leaders didn't recognize that it was him. They even said that anyone saying that he was the Messiah was probably blasphemy. 
So Jesus says, because you did not recognize that I was coming. Like, look, I've told you a long time ago, the exact day that I was going to show up. And because you refused to accept that I am who I am, that this temple will be destroyed and not one stone will be left on another. And that's exactly what happened in 70 AD. The temple was destroyed. And now Judaism is at a complete loss on how to even practice because all of those things were taken away. And this is what left them open to the new ideas, you know, the Babylonian Talmud, the Zohar, and, and these other books, because they're clamoring to reconcile, you know, how to how to be a practicing Jew without the temple. Interesting. And and they actually don't believe in like a heaven and hell, do they? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I imagine, I mean... Are we talking Kabbalists or are we talking Judaism? Jews, yeah, Judaism. Uh, from what I could tell in Scripture, yeah, they still believe in not only an afterlife, but they do believe in the idea of heaven. And, I mean, hell is really a Greco-Roman concept, but they do believe in, in a sphere uh, that I think would be called Sheol, which okay. has to do with the underworld. Right, right. Be somewhat equivalent to Hades where we would get the English word hell, but it, it has some unique differences from what the Greco-Roman idea of that realm um, is often purported to in, in Western culture. Interesting. Yeah. I've heard of Sheol for sure. And there's yeah, a, and even go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, I, go I, for it. I was just going to say there, there was a, a division even within the Jewish leadership because you hear Pharisees and Sadducees, so in the high-ranking Jewish officials, the Pharisees were the ones that did believe in an afterlife. And then the Sadducees are the ones that didn't believe there was an afterlife. So there's a lot of kind of infighting even in that. Huh. Yeah, so. dude, and it, it's such a trip to me. Like one of the, the many things that, that's really, really interesting about this is that, you know, Jesus is a Jew and the Jews don't accept him as the Messiah and Christians do, which is weird to me. I don't know if that's ever something that you guys kind of get tripped up on, but... It just seems backwards almost. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's a strange I think concept. that actually uh, it's it's not as foreign as it may seem on the surface. I mean, I think a, a lot of us have been in situations where you would expect a certain group of people to be more accepting of an idea. But because they get conditioned to a very particular nuance culturally anticipated version of an idea that just becomes ingrained, it can be very hard to separate that from the reality that's in front of you. Mm. Yeah. And a, I think we all fall victim to that in different ways. Huh? Dude, when you mentioned uh donkey too, I always like, I, you know, this is something that I, that I recently kind of discovered. I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the infernal dictionary like all the, hmm. the demons and stuff. So I've there's a, it, but I haven't read it. Yeah. I haven't read it either. It seems, seems kind of dark, right? I don't want to really get into that stuff, but I, I, I am fascinated with like where these things come from and you know, the, the ideas and, and what they're supposed to look like. There's this demon named uh, Adramelech, I think, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, but it's a donkey. And then of course there's an elephant too. And it's behemoth. And you have those those two animals representing the political parties that we follow, right? The the Democrats and the Republicans. And there's there's demons that that represent both of those animals too. So that's mm -hmm. just kind of one of those it's a it's a weird concept to me. Like Bale in here is a dude. Um looks kinda like just a person. 
Um, you know, it sounds like a, a strange concept, but it's often really interesting to me how often the the esoteric world bleeds over right into our face, especially through politics. Right. Like not just the donkey and the elephant, but I found it interesting um, that the Democrats, I want to say it was during the, I can't remember if it was during the Biden um, campaign or if it was the one just before that, um, where they had with their emblem an inverted star. Like it took a star, turned it upside down. It had two different color tones to it. And the predominant color tone formed a goat head from the inverted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. That was the Biden campaign. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, out of all the symbols you could do, why that one? Mm -hmm. That seems a very (laughs) peculiar type of decision. Who who was in on the art class decision for that? Right. They do a lot of weird stuff. They even had the uh, that that, you know, how they did the Biden E um with just the three horizontal lines that means something like destruction or something in some it's in some character list i don't know exactly what it is but then you even have like left and right right the liberal is like the left hand path i mean there's so much of this stuff that i don't think it's accidental but at the same time you know it's just interesting how they how they put these things out there and how little people actually realize when when all this stuff's hidden right in front of us well, see, that's what made you, you were asking earlier what got us on, you know, Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah, things like that. Um, I think that's one of the realities that makes it so fascinating is when you start doing just a little bit of digging, when you find out immediately, wait, there's a whole esoteric world that's hidden right behind the veil, mm-hmm. right up against right in our face, just slightly obfuscated. So we either don't know how to interpret what we see or we don't know how to understand what we're being told, right? Right. And, you know, makes us boo-boo the fool. But once you start getting to that esoteric world, it got really interesting really quick how much of that world was based on mysticism and at the center of that mysticism, how much stuff was actually based on the Kabbalah. Like you start reading about people like Elvis Levi, you start reading about uh, Madame Blavatsky, you start reading about Alice Bailey, you, you hear about people like... Um, who's our guy? Not our guy, like we support him, but the one we're always <laughs> talking about. Um, uh, Bush's granddaddy. What's his I name? Kind of- Aliester Crowley. Thank you. I don't oh. know why I couldn't <laughs> think of Aliester. <laughs> right? You you hear about these cats, and you start to build a list of these key players, and then you you know you hear that they're into maybe creating their own religion or this that and the other, but soon you start finding out that it seems to all be based on this ancient esoteric idea and collection of ideas called the Kabbalah. And you're like, what is this thing that seems to be really the kernel behind new age, behind modern day occultism, behind a lot of Satanism, behind the the Masons, behind the Illuminati. Like, what is this thing? This seems pretty pervasive. So I think we, we got off on a kick with Dan Duvall. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Mm Mm-mm. Oh, if you haven't, dude, you would love listening to his content. Okay. Definitely a mind bender show. What's his name again? Dan Duvall. Dan Duvall. Okay. Yeah. His his podcast is called The Truth with Dan Duvall. Okay. And he does, uh, Christopher, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while since we looked at this. I think it's a 12-part series? I think so, On the Kabbalah? Mm Mm-hmm. Peels it back piece by piece by piece by piece. 
mm-hmm. um, which for me, yeah, it felt like I was drinking from a fire hose. Yeah, for 12 episodes. <laughs> right. 12 wow. straight episodes. But it, it answered so many questions about, like, what is the Kabbalah? And I think it's good for people to understand what it is, because if you're like me, you're like, you may hear that term. You're like, I don't get it. Is that just the little red thing that's on people's right. people's wrist that Madonna had or that Taylor Swift was wearing? Like, is that just a fashion trend? What What is it? And essentially, it's an ancient Jewish tradition of mystical interpretation of the Bible. And it dates back to the Canaanite religions. It takes those religions and filters them through esoteric methods that rely on mystical interpretation and a handful of principal esoteric writings. Those writings being the Zohar, which is the book of splendor, the Sefer Zero, which is the book of formation, the book. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus performance line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus performance line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. The Mysteries, the Gate of Reincarnations, and Third Enoch. Mm. That alone would cause my eyebrows to go, wait, what? That's a lot of stuff that... <laughs> I didn't hear Old Testament. I didn't hear New Testament. You got a whole bunch of other interesting, uh, interesting is in quotations, right? You know, air quotes. Interesting books here that are not what I would expect from, uh, uh, from from Judaism, and I think it's important for us to also understand that Judaism, in its modern day iteration, is not the same as Judaism presented in the Old Testament. Right. Right. That's yeah, that absolutely seems to be the case. And then also weren't like original Jews, weren't they all black? Like there was no white Jews at all, right? Ryan, you, how far out into left field do you want to go today, man? I mean, that that's what I heard, dude. And I think that that's just an interesting concept because now when you think of a Jewish person, you don't, I mean, the last thing that you think of is a black person, right? There's not many black Jews out there. That's why I, it's just such a fascinating. I wouldn't say that. I think there are quite a bit of black Jews, but they don't get the limelight. They're That's not fair. the ones that you that you see. You're, they're not the ones that you hear. In fact, since you just want to kick open this whole left door and it. walk through <laughs> it, I think that um, we got pumped the brakes for a second. One of the problems in getting into this conversation is that there is so much protection embedded in talking about the Jews as a whole that as soon as you dive into it, you got to hit you hit this anti-Semitic wall. Sure. Which yeah. is if you say anything that doesn't go with the standard narrative, you're being anti-Semitic. I don't buy into that. You know, if yeah, we're going to talk facts, if we're talking ideas, I think we should be enough be free enough to do that without it being deemed anti-Semitic. In right. fact, a lot of that was put into place so that you could not talk about these things. Of course. Yeah, Almost I mean like a firewall. Well, and I so think that's know, also why they've been persecuted since the dawn of time you know what i mean it seems like that because then it, i mean there's even a special term for being anti-jew it's not racist it's anti-semitic right exactly it's 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 a weird thing but you got to put it out there because if you're going to talk about things that are are controversial that relate to that people group you don't want to be dinged with that from the get-go 
Okay. And so, you know, I'm saying that so anybody that's listening, they can at least walk away going, I don't think that these people are anti-Semitic, but we are going to deal with some things that are controversial because we're obviously going left. Ryan didn't put on his turn signal, but we have decided to make this left-hand turn. <laughs> Let's do it. So that being said, the you're right. You don't really see a lot of people of my specific hue uh, that claim to have Jewish ancestry. What you do see is a lot of people of much lighter persuasion, or as Christopher would say, uh, melanin deficient. Okay. Now, let me and, ask you this. Do you get offended if someone says black? Because I said it. Does that bother you if someone says, like, you know, a black black guy or black person or whatever? It actually depends on how they say it. Just just like how I did. In general, like you said it, no. But somebody okay. was like, that black guy over there. You're like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, well, yeah. You, you want a soft beat, <laughs> not a hard beat. Does it... Does it matter where the expletive is? Right. It's it does. Or after? It does. <laughs> there know, was, a, there if, was some if comedian that said. If you were black guy or if you were black MF, or, it's totally different. You yeah. know, it depends on where you put the expletive. You it can sounds better at first by putting it before the now. I love you know? it. Yeah. But okay. anyhow, um, let's get back to where we were. A lot of what you see here is, is melon deficient people being primarily the face of modern Judaism now. Mm-hmm. And I think really what we're seeing is a lot of Ashkenazi Jews. And this whole idea of Judaism is a bit confusing because Judaism is not necessarily just an ethnic line. It's also a nationality. Right. So you could have Russian Jews, you can have Polish Jews, you can have you know Jews from other European states, and then you can have ancient Jews. Like a cultural Jew versus a religious Jew, right? Like that's kind of what exactly. it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you're looking at Jews who fit the bill from a an archaeological perspective, from an ethnic line, ethnic Jews were actually much darker. They would probably look more like your African-Americans or your Africans or people like that. They have a, gotcha. a darker hue than what we've been led to believe today. And part of the problem is the fact that a lot of people who claim Jewish ancestry now on the the mainstream, they don't run their ancestry back to the 12 tribes. Mm -hmm. A lot of them run their ancestry back to Ashkenaz, which is really crazy when you think about it. Um, If you've never heard this term, Ashkenaz, it's in scripture back in Genesis actually references one of these characters um, who has that name, but he comes from a different son of Noah than the son who produced the 12 tribes, which is huge. You you understand what I mean? Yeah. The 12 tribes actually derived their ancestral lineage from Shem and Ashkenaz, correct me if I'm wrong, Christopher, doesn't he come through Japheth? Oh, you got that look like (laughs) <laughs> that's a fact i didn't look up I i'm like usually Japheth. i'm like yes i'm ready to correct you and this one i'm like ah, 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 ah. yeah this sounds good this sounds good so, so when bef- we talk with ryan we like to make sure we at least get a, a list first so we can check some facts <laughs> so before we move on from that so the idea is that if you're uh you know i, I don't know how to say this because you, you're right it is so it sounds so bad but if you're an actual jew okay you're supposed to come from one of the 12 tribes correct if you're going to be a a an ethnic Jew, 
Ethnic My understanding Jim. is you you should be deriving your lineage back to the original twelve tribes. Gotcha. Okay. Now, are, do Kazarians not, come into the Ashkenazi thing too? Or is that yeah? Okay. They're part one and the same because that whole area of Kazaria are where the Ashkenazi Jews actually originate from. Okay. The the the, the crazy thing though is that the Jewish and I'm going to put this in quotations. The present or the modern day Jewish establishment that seems to be in power seems to be Ashkenazi Jews. Okay. And when I say in power, I mean like the people who are running your music industry, the people that are running your movie industry, the people who are like the financiers behind the scenes that still draw their ancestry and claim to be Jewish. It seems to be this line. The so why is this too? important to us? That has a tie in, mm -hmm. which we'll get yeah. to. But it's like, why is this important? It becomes super important when you go back to Jesus Christ, when he's actually sitting there having a conversation with the Pharisees. And he's like, listen, I know that you guys are not who you claim to be, right? He's talking about this even in Revelation, where he says there are those among you that claim to be Jews and are not. Mm. Like you can trace that lineage of people back even to the time of Christ when he had to deal with them in the in the Pharisee, which would be the elite section of the Judaism, um, Judaism priesthood. There's a collection of people that were claiming to actually be Jews that weren't, that were in positions of power. Mm. And it has stayed that way through centuries as they've gained more and more power. As they've gained power, they also have bought their religious views into vogue. And those views are influenced by the Kabbalah. Mm -hmm. Now, this becomes really important when we look at, let's, for example, let's take our financial sector. How is our finance controlled by this group of people? We know that the Federal Reserve was established by Rothschild cutouts. And we know that the Rothschilds claim to be Jewish, but mm -hmm. you're like, how? How, how, how are you Jewish? Here comes a weird connection. When you go back and you look at these people from the Kabbalah, one of the people who stands out is Samatane Zeti, or Samatane Zevi, however you want to pronounce it. 1666, this guy claims to be a messiah. Really interesting that it's 1666. I'm right. like, hmm, couldn't done it 1665. We got to yeah. get three sixes in there. Doesn't or seem accidental. Well, you and I might have. Uh, well, I won't say that. That'll be bad. But he could have. He could have done it on that year. But but he did not. He chose sixteen sixty six. Right. And so this guy sets up this idea that he is the Messiah, and the only way. Well, Christopher, I'm gonna make sure I don't get these details wrong. Did right. he claim to be the Messiah, or was he trying to bring back the Messiah? Yeah, see, that's where I get it confused, too. Because Is it, was he, it both of those? I think it was both, because um, some interpretations of the Old Testament say that there's there's two messiahs, right? There's the suffering servant, and then there's the, the ah, triumphant okay. second coming. Yeah. So I think he claimed to be the, the suffering servant trying to usher in this secondary messiah. That was going to take sin. over and rule. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. there were two ways in which you could do it. You could either be super righteous— and make sure everybody around you is super righteous. And that supposedly was to bring him back. Or you could be incredibly decadent and evil. And that would bring him back as a, as 
as having to respond to the level of wickedness that was around. Mm-hmm. So, of course, like a good soldier, he picks the latter. Let's go <laughs> and be as evil as we can. Everything you want to do, anything is on the table. Nothing's off the table. We're doing everything. You want sex, is- we're going we're gonna to have sex with everybody and everything. Butterflies right. and kids, doesn't even matter. What were you going to say, dude? Right. I was going to say, it's crazy because there's just, there's like the typical level of, of corruption that normal humans have. You know, I want to hit the guy in the face, but I'm not going to. It's a completely different thing when you set out to commit as much sin as possible. Yeah. Which means that you're looking for brand new ways to sin. Well, this has never been done before. Let me go and try that thing. Like, it, it's crazy to really... Uh, wrap your mind around the the level of decadence in in the mind of these people. Ladies and gentlemen, we would like to welcome you to Sin Pertino, where we have the latest version of Sin, Sin 17.0. Now, I know last year you liked the things that we were doing with Sin, but this is Sin on a level you have never seen before. This is Sin done sinfully, Sin right. And I want you to know we've done Sin amazingly. We had a crack Sin team that we sent out from Sinpertino and they went and sinned on everything possible to bring you back the latest form of sin. And we've banished to package it in this wonderful little device that will help you sin to the nth degree. It is going on sale for a mere $7.99. You can purchase it. We wanted to keep the price amazingly affordable <laughs> for you all. And you can send to your heart's desire. I'm telling you, it's amazing. Nobody's ever done sin like this. Ladies and gentlemen, sin 17.0. I will say it should have been six payments of $66. That's what it you should have what? been. It should have. Yes, you now yes. are going to head up the crack team, the marketing team. No, on, that's on great. Sin. You need to be in commercial. Someone needs to give this guy voiceover work here. But dude, that's hilarious. The but way I'm not finished. Oh, I mean, I'm done with the whole spit, but I want to make sure I don't miss the point that we were connecting here. Yeah. Yeah. So you got 17 ZD. He, he does all of this and he ends up getting to uh his land gets invaded by by this muslim dude the muslim dude's like you're claiming to be god i'm going to put you to the test you either can have my my army shoot a whole bunch of arrows at you and miss you can have i think he gave him another choice and then the third one was oh beheading and then the third one was or you convert to islam dude came back was like you know done a lot of thinking and uh i'm gonna take islam for 200 alex yeah and so you know, you this turban is really comfortable all of a sudden, you know? Right, right. It's blocking out the sun. This is, this is my jam. It's in my color. I think I, we can make this conversion real well. So go ahead and he converts. And, and then eventually he dies. One of his followers replaces him and claims to be the Messiah. And this dude is called Jakob Frank. And he takes what the predecessor, 17 Zebi, was doing and takes it up a notch and really ushers in decadence. And it's on a level nobody has imagined. The crazy thing is that Jakob Frank ended up becoming, an I don't know if it was an advisor, but somehow he got connected with the Rothschilds and converted them into the Kabbalah as Frankist. Wow. So this makes the link from Jewish mysticism all the way through to finance and financial control. Because right. from the Rothschilds, we got central banking instituted, not just in the United States, but around the world. And it runs off of the Rothschild banking cartel, which also has a spiritual component to it 
bought into it by way of these Kabbalist Frankists. Yeah, so that's there's fascinating. this huge interconnection, and that's just on the finance side. That has nothing to do with the entertainment side. We were talking yeah, culture. about movies or music and culture and mm -hmm. art and or war. All of this type of stuff that's influenced from this thing. So that's kind of how we got into it and why we got fascinated by it. Short answer, how you got into it, right? Exactly. The, I mean, dude, it's it's incredibly interesting. And yeah, I have not heard that anywhere before. Did you learn this from that Duval character you're mentioning? Uh, the bulk of it was from him, but then there were also other places that you just pick up stuff or connect dots. Okay. And it just becomes part of uh, part of the repertoire of, of information. But I'd have to say probably 90, 95% was from Dan Duvall, and he goes into much greater detail, more than what my little head could hold. Yeah, yeah. I was sweating bullets and leaking information. I'm so like, it, this, what, this was insane. What I was going to say is that it seems like everything is a sin, almost, right? Even if you're doing something like uh, with modern technology, even if you're doing something kind and helpful, it can be like a vanity project, right? Like filming yourself, giving food to homeless people or something like that. Right. Like it's a good okay. deed, but you're still, you're still being vain about it. Right. Okay. One of my things is like, why is gambling a sin? Cause I, I love gambling. I, I love betting on sports. I don't see it as a sin though. You know, um, have you guys looked into that at all or. I haven't looked deeply into it. Uh, if I had to give an answer off the top of my head, and Christopher, you've got something better, man. By all means, jump in. But <laughs> I think one of the principal issues with gambling for a person that says they put their trust in in Jesus Christ, they put their trust in a in a sovereign being, is there's appeal to using this apparatus to satisfy needs that only a sovereign being really should satisfy. And it's the appeal to to not just chance, but also fortune. And when you start looking behind those, those are normally entities that we're appealing to. Okay. That's a, you know, that's it's a, not normally just, yeah, it's not normally just a thing like, who do you think will win? Right. But it's the monetary wager that gets you things and access to stuff that you couldn't have before, which is primarily what I think fuels most people getting into that, whether it's, you know, sports betting, whether it's the lottery, anything else like that. We're looking to these sources to help satisfy our needs okay. and our wants more than our needs. Our that makes wants sense. In ways that if we were actually talking to our, our God and, and having to have that relationship, he might steer us a different way. Interesting. Um, I, I've, well, I've got a slightly different take. Uh, if I could, if I could have a minute on that one. Yeah. It's interesting because I've, I've had this conversation with, with different relatives you know, talking about good people and bad people and, you know, um, you know, they give to the poor, they, they help the needy, they do all of this. There's an interesting passage that the Bible says that, um, like, it's impossible to do good without faith. Because, so then we have to understand, like, what is the, what is the bigger issue? Like, what is sin? Right? Sin, sin would be missing the mark. And, and the reason we sin is because um, we've been, we've been set apart from the, the, the perfect created order. So we have to understand if you're looking at sin, you got to go all the way back and we were made for a purpose, right? And if we were made for a purpose, then it means we're supposed to function a certain way. 
And I don't think that you can actually function the way that you're supposed to without appealing to that origin. Mm. So um, a good example would be like if if there's a pile of bricks, which which we could say that the world is today, but it's supposed to be a skyscraper, right? You're supposed to build all these things. Th that was what God intended. And unfortunately, we, we just made a mess of the whole thing. And now we got a pile of bricks. Well, we got a bunch of people that are just stacking bricks in individual piles going, look, I, I put one on top of the other. Isn't this something good? Isn't this some, something positive? But you can't build the structure unless you're appealing to the blueprint. So I, I think you are right in a sense that everything can be a sin because if we're out here independently doing what we think is good outside of knowing that this is how God created things to go and doing it to the blueprint, then we're missing the mark. And that's mm -hmm. what sin is. Yeah, it's thinking negatively, like being scared. I mean, all these things are are sins from what I understand. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's one of those things, one of the many things that I was going to kind of ask, like when, when they would fit in with the conversation, but yeah, dude. Um, Chris, so I, I like that answer. I'm, I'm going to modify my, <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, both of the, I, I like both takes, honestly. Now I wanted to ask you guys like what the goal is of the, the Jewish mystics of the Kabbalists, right? I, I think that that's something like, why, why is it this hidden thing? Why are there all these powerful people that wear the the red ribbon on their wrist and all this stuff? But guys, I gotta pause real quick. My mom keeps calling me, so I'm gonna just pause real fast and see what she wants real fast. Okay. Well, I think I think their goal is to usher in their antichrist. So we see from the from the Tower of Babel, there's these uh, the forces of darkness, the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, or what have you. Uh, had their entire agenda shattered and they're finding they've had to find ways through people to to regain that power that that world order that was established at Babel and if you look at so much of the the esotericism and the mysticism that so much of it points to ushering in the Antichrist mm. or usher well they call it their Christ right their Messiah they don't say that it's the Antichrist so right. what we say on our show a lot is that they're trying to terraform the the moral intellectual and technological landscape of our world to make it palatable for their messiah to come i mean you look at the the grain technologies you know um genetics artificial intelligence nanotech and robotics they they are all working to the same goal and that's to redefine what it is to be human and if we're redefining what it is to be human what what is it then that we're becoming Mm. And that that's that's been the goal since Genesis six, you know, where the the angels came down and mated with the women, and they became Nephilim. The, there's an interesting thing that the the destiny of heaven is nailed to the earth, and the destiny of earth is is nailed to man. So one of Lucifer's end goals is to raise his throne to the height of Yahweh, and he can't get there unless he comes by way of the earth because the earth's destiny is tied to heaven and he can't obtain the earth without dominating mankind. So that's mm -hmm. why you see population control. That's why you see um, uh, all of these things happening. The technologies coming in, you know, the, the, what is it that Klaus Schwab said? The fourth industrial revolution is supposed to redefine what it means to be human. Right. And you see the decadence, you see the uh, transgenderism, you see the destruction of the nuclear family. Like it seems 
Like they're all separate, but they all lead to the same thing. And it's terraforming the landscape of our world to make way for the satanic Messiah to hopefully get the land rights to the earth so they can wage a war against Yahweh. And, and, mm. and that's what they want to do. So th- that's the end goal. Did you end up watching that movie that I m- mentioned to you? Resurrected? I didn't. I'm sorry. No, you're good, dude. Well, you I, just texted I, me like yesterday, and I was I like, I don't know how to fit this movie in. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get it, dude. Everyone's freaking busy, too. But like, you, you mentioned what it's like to be human, the, the human experience, right? I think a big part of it for them is immortality. I think that they want like the, the Russian cosmism idea of immortality. Like They don't want to die. They don't want to be judged after they die, right? So that's something that that relates to that movie is, you know, they they the Catholic churches and the Vatican's on a on a mission to basically convert everyone to Catholicism because they only resurrect like they can bring people back from the dead but they'll only do it to Catholics. And they'll only do it to people that like don't search any porn on their computer, don't do all these things like the FBI has a resurrected persons unit in the movie and all this stuff. It's a it's a really crazy concept. But I think that that isn't that far from the goal, right, to resurrect people and to use religion, a certain religion. And I would say it would be Catholicism personally um, to to kind of use that over people to be like, yeah, we can bring you back from the dead if you convert and you do all these things, you know. Um, So it's just fascinating, Ryan. Isn't that pretty (laughs) much what you heard? Isn't that pretty much what Scripture tells tells us? was the original conversation between the serpent and mankind. The idea that you won't actually die. You can live forever. You can have immense knowledge. You can have pleasure forevermore. It's fascinating that those are the same tenets, the same promises of transhumanism. Yeah. And it's crazy to Mm -hmm. me that transhumanism gets its spiritual push from the Kabbalah, Mm -hmm. that there is a move to try all of these various Juxt seemingly juxtaposed, separated, isolated type movements that seem really fringe that we might hear about. We're like, what the hell? Transhumanism. That's too many trans. Okay. We we right. just had transgenders. We can't have transhumanists. I'm sorry that you only get one per decade, right? All of these <laughs> notions that seem unrelated when you start doing your research and you start digging, it becomes so wildly fascinating to find out that they have their roots in a single place. Sure. These are the promises of the ancient Canaanite religions. It's like, we'll try to give you, or we'll promise you everything that Yahweh was going to give you. But here's the caveat. You don't have to serve Yahweh. Mm. You don't have to do it God's way. And we got this whole little way of life over here that if we can get enough people on board, I'm telling you, it's really rocking. You're going to enjoy it. And you don't have to be subservient to this overlord, right? You don't have to be this person that tells you, hey, everything's a sin, which I think is really a misnomer for, for God. Christopher and I were having this conversation a long time ago. And it was this notion of, I think you and I had it as well on one of the shows that we did, but it was this idea of holiness, right? Like, what does it really mean to be holy? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in a nutshell, it's the fact that you can't really accept perversion. You can't accept deviation, not because you're a tyrant, 
but because when you spend the time and the effort designing everything, you want it to function at its most pristine level. And so any takeaway from that becomes something that you fight against, something that you try to weed out of the system. And so for human beings, for other sentient creatures, doing things outside of divine will produces degrees of chaos, degrees of problems. And God is trying to constantly remove that for the benefit of not just the individual creature, but the system as a whole. Hmm. When that kind of becomes the perspective, then even the idea that everything's a sin takes on a totally different nature, right? If we think that everything is just a rule that you're going to hit me across the slap me across the wrist on, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. It doesn't sound very appealing. Right. And I think that one of the, the, one of the interesting marketing ploys of the Canaanite religions was getting people to focus on what they couldn't do as opposed to what they could. Mm. Like even in the Genesis record, it's fascinating that there were a ton of trees that mankind could eat from and only one that you couldn't, which if we were just going to be, let's just say for the sake of argument, let's say it was a hundred different trees. You got a hundred to one ratio of what you can do. And one thing that you can't, and yet the focus will be you're a tyrant God that sucks and you don't really like me because of the one thing I can't do. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a clever ploy. And I think we fall into it even when we start looking at everything being a sin, which I don't think is the way God looks at it. I think he recognizes because you're in a hostile planet, because you're in a planet that is to a large degree still ruled by the cult of Baal. You know, we're talking Canaanite religions, the pharaohs, Babylon, Rome, Judea, the Vatican, the Knights Templar, the Khazarians, the Masons, the Jesuits, the Illuminati, even good old United States. Because you're in a planet that's ruled by these entities that do owe their allegiance and existence to hostile spiritual forces that are against me, me being Yahweh, they are setting up things to constantly put you in a state of spiritual peril and curses and put you under their thumb. I want you to avoid that, but I understand how many different things are out there that can get you trapped up. So instead of just making a huge list of a whole bunch of do's and don'ts, I'm going to try to make it very simple and give you basic things to stay away from so that you don't get trapped up in this system that's designed to make you a slave to evil. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's a huge paradigm shift as opposed to just, Dang it, God, again, right. again with the sin, again with something I can't do. It is great you know marketing saying? to your point. And to be clear, you know, I don't think everything's a sin, but the way that certain churches will will, will kind of approach the uh, the topic, I think that they mm-hmm. try to make, like you can spin anything into being sinful is what I was kind of getting at. But yeah, I mean, gotcha. yeah, I don't think everything's a sin at all. Um, you know, I, hmm. I don't think that gambling's a sin. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I, I love betting on sports, man. It's so fun. So like if I'm not, if I'm not using that money to like freaking fund abortion clinics or do something horrible with it, I don't see, you know, why like any, any of that stuff would be wrong. And I think that, you know, the idea that God doesn't want people to be wealthy. I think that that's something that the, you know, parasite class and these super rich people kind of put on to the dummies out here right. that are just like, Oh, I can't, I can't, you know, not idolize money, but I can't go after money because that's going to make me a sinful person. Right. 
what's that phrase that a, a rich man has less likelihood of getting into heaven than going through the eye of a needle or whatever. It's like, mm -hmm. that's the stupidest thing I've heard. Um, that's just right. like, like I said, a tool. People get that twisted though. Right. Because really what it talks about is the love of money. Right. And not just necessarily the, the love of money. Like we get that here in, in the Western world. We'll hear love of money, but really the way it was written was the worship of mammon. And mammon was an actual God, an actual deity to of which money derives from. So can I, are we saying that money is necessarily bad? No, but when you start realizing that it's tied to a deity and specifically our Rothschild influence monetary system that produces the money we use today, that is clearly tied to a spiritual entity, sure. which means the things that it funds, you'd have to bring into question and really ask a much tougher question, which is, is this system that's profiting off of my monetary decisions really a free will system that's just done for me to have fun? Or is there a sinister aim behind it? Yeah. It I think goes it's to a like much the, tougher question. It's mm -hmm. the uh, Babylonian money magic and stuff too, right? Like that's kind of exactly. what that ties into. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so if they're influencing certain decisions, like if they're influencing, let's say lottery, for example, right. is lottery necessarily bad? I don't know. But if it comes from a system that's profiting off of me, it might not be the best thing for me to get involved in. Right. right. Yeah, man. And I think those are the tougher questions that we have to ask. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it that's it, it, uh I like that uh that take on it, man, for sure. I'm right now I'm just looking at this site, Sacred Anarchy, about the Babylonian money magic and the whole fiat system. Like, you know, it's it's strange, man. You know, the, the idea of like, you know, going back to gold and silver just sounds so appealing. But for some reason, we can't do that. Man, it's because they bought up so many of the precious metal markets. It's not yeah. as free and open for us to get access to, especially yeah. when we have centuries of being on a, a fiat currency. Well, not being on a full fiat currency, but being on a, a central bank currency. Right. That's the switching issue. that because we, we could, quote unquote, go back to a a gold standard. But if we still have a central bank, then then gold really isn't the standard because it's fractional reserve currency. Right, right. So still with all of the dollars that they print, it reduces the buying power of each individual dollar. So going back to a gold standard is a great idea, but unless we get rid of central banking, which is the Babylonian money magic that you're talking about, then it, it's never going to correct itself because the system itself is broken. Mm. Or yeah, it's, okay, not it's not broken. broken. The system itself is functioning the way that it's supposed to, which exactly. is to put us in bondage. It's broken for exactly. us, right? Like we can't make it work. So we can't make it work. Exactly. Exactly. Right. But the system was, is functioning the way it was intended. Sure. Right. That's really the scary thing. It's not like you could fix the system. The system doesn't need to be fixed because it's, it's working the way it was intended to work. The system needs to be abolished. Now in this system, do you think everyone at the high levels knows what they're doing like i'm talking celebrities um obviously i think that the central bank like the the head like what's her name janet yellen i think she's still doing it um the head of the central bank she probably knows right <laughs> you know the whole agenda or do you think maybe she doesn't know all this esoteric stuff that you're talking about i don't know how uh, go, go ahead christopher i was gonna say i don't think that anyone <laughs> Uh, on the elite status really knows what's going on. And if, for example, you asked like, what what is the whole purpose of the Kabbalah? It's to mm -hmm. usher in this Messiah. Right. Well, I think from the get-go that their entire goal is distorted and shrouded 
because um, the the Luciferian agenda or say or the the goal of Satan is not to to save anyone or to do anyone any favors or any of that nature. So there might be a level of understanding to the level of corruption. There might be an esoteric understanding to this is what the ultimate goal is. And if you go all the way up to the top, the elites might think that they are even trying to usher in a Messiah that might do them some favors. But I think everyone, if you are allied with Satan or this, or the Kabbalah or any of these esoteric uh, contracts that they have, I think they're deceived into thinking that they're going to get the 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 reward on the other end of it, right. and they're just fodder. Right. So, yeah, like the the devil's only goal is to just take God's place, right? So he'll use all these different people that think that they're getting something out of it, making a deal with the devil. So it's called like you're not right. you're not getting anything out of that. Obviously, mm -hmm. huh. it's interesting, man. That was it a good is. point, it dude. I, I I would argue. And I, I think on a certain on a certain level, I think they do know what they're doing. Okay. You know, I, think I mean, that, on a certain uh, level, for sure. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't think there's any way that you could, let's just say, be the president of the United States, right? Which we know is an elected position and not, I mean, a selected position and not an elected position. But you go in, you're president of the United States, you have your economic uh, council who meets, and you just fly back from the World Economic Forum, you met with your economic council. They did inform you that inflation's going up, and your landmark response is to issue legislation to fight inflation. Mm. And while you do it, you print up a stimulus package that you give to the American people, but you blame inflation on lack of legislation, not on the fact that you printed up more money. So who with basic economic skills that's on your council doesn't know that Inflation is caused by excess printing of money and not by lack of legislation. I mean, dude, these people are all college educated and whatever the colleges teach these people is what they're going to say and what they're going to believe. And they're changing the definition of recessions. They're changing all these definitions. So I wouldn't actually be surprised if some of these people really don't understand that making more of something makes that thing less valuable. And I, I think to change the definition. You have to know the original definition to know what you're changing it from. If you're going so to I'm saying a lie, like the, you have to know the truth. Yeah, the educators know this. Like the 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 yeah. people that are changing these things, but the idiots that are on these economic councils, I don't think that they know anything other than what they're taught. And they could be taught, you know, exactly the opposite of what you're saying to be true. Even though I mean, I mean we three know that what you're saying is true. If you make a bunch of if you print more and more money, it's gonna make it worth less. Right. But let me let's take this practically, Ryan. You know, let's say that that Tim Geithner, who used to be the chair of the uh, New York Federal Reserve. And I think okay. is, if he's not uh, Treasury Secretary now, I think he was before. There's no way you move through the financial industry like that and got to that level without you understand basics of finance. Now, they may be slowly changing it, but those people now that have the, the power and in those positions of influence, they understand this type of stuff. There's no way that you're going to be the chairman of the Federal Reserve, like Janet Yellen, and you not know basics of of economics now you, you might don't tell boo-boo the fool you regular civilian x y and z right. but no you know the difference and you know mm -hmm. it's not legislation based right yeah i i just feel like you don't think that they could say something like oh, it's complicated like what you're saying well, is right sure but it's complicated could. so yeah yeah but you could tell me it's complicated 
I don't have a degree in economics, and I understand that basic thing. If you're yeah. going to tell me that as the head of the Federal Reserve, or you're going to be Alan Greenspan and tell me that it was the longest chairman, longest serving chairman of the Federal Reserve, if you're going to tell me, oh, I really thought, and I based my whole life off of this notion that if you remove restrictions, if you remove, um, what do they call that? Like the uh, quantitative easing. No, regulation. There it is. If you remove regulations, then the market will correct itself. Mm. I, I firmly believe that. Uh, you might firmly believe that, but do you mean to tell me that you also don't account for human nature? You think that the market is a sentient being in and of itself? Where across all of human experience does removing law produce order? Where'd you get this idea, Mr. Brilliant Guy? You mean to tell me removing regulation, you didn't know on any level that that would produce chaos? You really thought that it was going to free the world into a utopia of experience? You're a moron. Right. Because it doesn't work anywhere in life. I also like, don't think they're the making case, their decisions. I don't, think Alan, I don't think Alan Greenspan was sleeping with his door open. Right. To his residence. I'm quite mm-hmm. sure he locked it. But I mean, remove the regulation. Open up your door. I mean, let me come in. We'll let the markets correct what I take. So wasn't Laura Sanger talking about maybe it was Alan Greenspan or, or maybe somebody else, but one of the chairs of the Federal Reserve was so tactical about the way that he addressed questions and interviews that there was an in, entire like um, linguistics or syntax um, re- study related to that because it, it, it yeah. takes an interesting amount of skill to use a bunch of words to not answer a question. Right. Exactly. It was a dude just before Janet Yellen. I can't remember his name. Okay. Bernanke. But yeah, you don't you don't get there on accident, and you don't get there with that specific type of um, deceptive linguistics without knowing what is up, so you can avoid talking about what is up. That's like when Clinton was asked, "What's the nature of your relationship with Monica Lewinsky?" and he's like, "There is none." Well, currently there isn't, but if we'd asked the question <laughs> differently, like what was the nature, he would have had to answer a different question. Well, these people ask right. these questions in perfect ways, too, like with the whole grilling of, uh, you know, the, the TikTok CEO or the ByteDance CEO. They're asking questions like, is is ByteDance profitable quarter over quarter every single quarter? And the guy's like, yes. So, you know, it's like those aren't no one cares if TikTok's profitable. It's more <laughs> about like who owns it, what's going on. Right. So, yeah, these people are experts on both ends. Now, then I'll ask you guys this. Is it is it straight up? like ill will that they have there's zero incompetence you think it's all manufactured to go against us or is there any incompetence at the government level at the government level yeah i would say there's an admixture the the problem becomes you know i don't it, it's hard to judge what's in a person's heart but it's also not so difficult to judge a tree by its fruit mm-hmm. right so if you have these people let's say they got their best interests in mind for the american people but then you're going to secret society work camps and groups, right? You're going to a Bilderberg group or you go to world economic forum. CFR is one of my favorites, right? Right. We just, we needed a little GoFundMe type situation. So we decided to run out here to see, if we can get some other people together for a right. little initiative. We got right, right. you go to world economic forum and the head there is talking about, do we need to usher in the new world order? And then you come back and you make certain financial decisions based on the meeting you attended. It's hard for me as a thinking person to just say that's incompetence. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe down the line, 
few people down, it may be incompetence or it may actually be compartmentalized operational um, necessity where you don't know everything that's happening above you. You may just be doing your job and your job doesn't seem like it facilitates this grandiose plan. I get that. But for people that are making strategic decisions that are, uh, that are attending secret society work groups that are actually signing their name to documents that are essential in putting this country and putting other countries on course with agendas that they've agreed to, I can't just call that incompetence. That seems intentional. I agree. A hundred percent. You on that same page, Christopher? Yeah, for sure. And I think if there are people that are incompetent, I mean, even say the commander in chief, I think any incompetence that we as the public see is just a front because as soon as you start to believe mm. <laughs> America is got bye 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 bye. Yeah. <laughs> No, but th- that being said, I think he was selected to be incompetent for, that, yeah. for the benefit of the elites. Because if we think that the those in political power are just as incompetent, then there's no way. I mean, how many times do we hear that? You, people that are anti-conspiracy theory. Do yeah. you know how many people would have to be involved? Or do you know how smart you would have to be? Yeah, because there are that many people and they are that smart. So any of the people that we see that are incompetent are specifically put there to convince us that there's no one in power competent enough to do exactly what they're doing. So yeah. you're saying it's a psyop? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm actually reading a paper right now written by Michael Aquino. I'm sure you guys are familiar. Mind right? War? Yeah, I've heard of him. Michael Aquino. What's that? So yeah, I've heard of him. Mind War? Sorry, I jumped ahead a couple steps. My bad. No, no, it's not Mind War. It's um, it's a paper. Let me see exactly what it's called. Um, written by him about psychological operations and, like, the ethics behind psyops, which is wild. I mean, like, there's no ethics behind psyops, but... I was going to uh, guess. I'm sure he's arguing in favor of psyops. Well, because he yeah. he wrote a he wrote a paper called Mind War where he talked about that he thought that psychological operations should be enacted both on the um, opposing team and the home team before any actual military steps were taken. Right. Well, I mean, and it makes sense, but like at the same time, it's uh, when you're using it on your own people. Uh, mm-hmm. that's when it gets yep. scary, but yeah, so this is called psychological operations, the ethical dimension by Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino. Okay. Um, yeah, it's interesting stuff talking about psyop in American political culture, um, ethics in American political culture, uh, ethics in the American psyop. I mean, it's wild. Like, it's just like, how are you fighting on behalf of this? and just putting this out there. It's a 40 page paper. Um, but yeah, dude, it's, uh, it, it's wild. There was one other thing I was going to, Oh, uh, I use this analogy all the time. If, uh, someone with a disability is making fun of you, let's say someone with down syndrome is messing with you or annoying you in some way, you're not going to hit them. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to do anything to them, but a bully, maybe, maybe Jason would, I wouldn't, but maybe a bully, <laughs> A bully, you're going to someone that's bigger than you, someone that's pushing you around and being a jerk, you're going to fight back unless, mm-hmm. you know, you're not built like that or whatever. But, you know, so they, they want to act incompetent. They want to act like, you know, the Down syndrome people that can't get things done and rather than the bully. You know what I mean? To use the high school analogy. Right, right. No, I think you're dead on. I think you're dead on. And my mom said the same thing. She said uh, something very similar, like uh, 
this is why I don't believe in conspiracy theories, you know, like she told me that. And I'm like, well, you don't have to believe in them, but there is proof that they're real. You know, like it's like saying that you don't believe that violence exists or racism exists just because you don't see it or you haven't experienced it. There's proof that this stuff is out there. There's proof that multiple groups of people get together and commit unlawful or immoral acts. That's what a conspiracy is. So, I mean, theorizing about them, um, I think is healthy. Now, if you're going to start going and believing in Bigfoot and aliens and all the conspiracy theories, that's when I, you know, you I, I kind of Bigfoot. No, dude. No. Do you I believe mean, Christopher's got like a size 17 foot. I don't know where you draw the line <laughs> at Bigfoot. Well, yeah, it's, it's hard to have a beard like this and feet this big and not think that, oh, you know what? It might be possible. That's I'm fine. just saying. <laughs> no. So so the thing with Bigfoot, dude. It could be real, right? But it just like the the people that you see that are like gung ho about it. Obviously, Ron from New England, he's like a big fan of it and stuff. And I love Ron, but like a lot of these people, like experts on TV, are just mm-hmm. wild, dude. South Park did a really funny episode about it, and it's like the dumbest people that have like the Bigfoot cast that they go out and find and stuff. It's just funny. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm not a Bigfoot believer, to be honest. I, I've never run. Run into a Sasquatch, but I have listened to way too many blurry creature episodes for me to be to be to for me to completely deny the idea. They're fun. And here's and what hey, I think. Yeah. Well, here here's what I find interesting. Whether Bigfoot's real or not, um, <laughs> there is so much that's happening in the esoteric world that goes against our everyday understanding of reality. That I've almost had to backseat my this can't be real reflex mm-hmm. and almost start asking the question, what else is going on here that I don't know about? Right. Like Bigfoot's the least of my words. Yeah, I do. I could not care less. <laughs> you know what I mean? You guys should right? make a shirt, though, since you're doing merch. Bigfoot's a Kabbalist. How about that? <laughs> and just draw the Bigfoot with a little red wristband. That'd be sick. That's, um, that's I, an I one, that might sell. It might. I'd oh, right? That's funny. Uh, I'm like, there are so many other things, dude, that are going on. Whether yeah. we're talking about interdimensional manipulation. beings. Yeah. Well, I mean, even beyond that, you, you've got interdimensional beings. You've got demonic activity. You've got <laughs> mothers of darkness. You've got breeding camps. You know, you, you have, if let's say something like aliens. If aliens isn't a real reality, I'm still concerned why the Vatican is actually busy writing encyclicals about it mm-hmm. like what's really going on we've got a ton of stuff just popping off on this planet and i think that we've got to get to a place where we're willing to put down the standard narrative of if you can't see it it's not real and right. start realizing that the unseen realm is probably more populated more widely dispersed with species variation than anything we have on this planet, which means there are creatures that far exceed what you would think of as just, that can't be real. I think, yeah, there probably are things that are real that would blow your mind. And if they're, if they're not, I find it so fascinating that we have an appetite for it because we don't question things like star Wars who can come up with a species on the spot. Mm -hmm. I was busy watching Ashoka and I'm like, is that her hair? Like what is on her head? Right. I need to I need to have a place to I need a folder for this. <laughs> I don't know if those are antenna or hair, but this looks plausible to me. 
Greatest you know, character George, of all time is Jar Jar Binks. I'm just saying, George Lucas created an entire. I know Christopher hates that. I don't but like he him created, either. <laughs> he created like an entire world that people fall into, and the stuff in that world is way more fanciful. Right. There's some of the stuff we would talk about out here, and people don't even tend to question it. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, dude. I'm not going out in the woods at night by myself, right? I'm not doing that. And it's not because I'm afraid of, like, dogs or anything. You know, I, I, I mean, just tell, don't. Tell the truth. If you found a shoka out there, you might go to the woods late at night. A what? If you found a shoka out there, you might go to the woods late at night. You What's might a shoka? Call Kim. Isn't that her name, dude? Christopher, am I pronouncing it wrong? Is it a shoka or a shaka? See, really, is it is it nigga and dude? You can't just change <laughs> hey, that these makes, little that makes all the all the difference in the world. <laughs> Trust me. Oh, Ashoka, <laughs> the Star is, Wars. That is the line. <laughs> you know what? I can't argue that, dude. You you got me on that one. Is it a soft A? Is it a Ashoka or Ashoka? Ashoka, it looks like A H S O K A. So you think this girl's hot? No, I say the actress that plays her is. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I uh, uh Chris, I'm only you can't seeing... say none. You're married. You just be quiet. I'm trying oh. to make sure you don't get in trouble. Oh no, dude. No, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, she's gorgeous. She's in a lot of uh she's in a lot of films, dude. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. great. Completely unrelated. I'm thinking of a movie called Alexander. <laughs> you said that's so serious. If you didn't spit your drink out, I could have delivered it straight face the whole time. I tried. I did, but I knew you were going left to center. On a it's a good Colin Farrell note. movie. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander the Greatest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen it. Yeah, once or twice. Yeah, it's a great oh, film. Yeah. yeah, Rosario Dawson is who we're talking about here. Yes. Big fan. Big, Big fan? fan. Oh, yeah, huge. So, yeah, I'll follow up in the woods. Yeah, okay, (laughs) then. I rest my case. And now you had a perfect segue, but we kind of blew past it. You mentioned Mothers of Darkness there, right? Yeah. Um, Which, you know, what? contrary to what you thought I was referring to, this is not Mothers (laughs) (laughs) of Black People, okay? Uh, That's hilarious. Did you guys look into this? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. What did you think? I mean, obviously, you know, it's a creepy castle in Belgium. I did an episode on it. It fits in with fluoride. And, you know, you guys mentioned Rothschilds a few times, especially Jason. You mentioned Rothschilds, right? Talking about the money magic and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't hear the Salves. We don't hear. I, have you guys heard that name before? I haven't. Huh. Dude, I pride myself in looking into secret societies, kind of knowing a little bit about the power structure, a tiny bit, like more than the average person, right? I would say uh-huh. even more than like the average conspiracy podcaster. I look into secret societies and like elite bloodlines and stuff. It's fascinating to me. Never heard of these people. And they essentially like the guy invented baking soda basically. So this is old money, old money. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, man, they seem to do some dark stuff. Like I said, it's a creepy castle and there's going to be some urban legends involved, but I mean, do you think that there's any truth to this stuff? Yeah, I, I don't know. So so I actually found, and Jason, you know how to pronounce the last name, but there is a, a person named Jesse. How many? Smollett. What was her name? Uh, Chaboda. Chaboda. Yeah. And apparently she had been raised um, from a bloodline family to become one of the queens 
one of the queen right. mothers of the Mothers of Darkness. And she ended up getting uh, saved at a, at a relatively young age, and she's got this amazing story of coming out of it. But she breaks down, like, their whole power structure. And some of it sounds a little bit outlandish, but the way that all of the things connect, I was like, this this makes too much sense to just chalk up to kind of a, a crazy person. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that we, we we talked about Kabbalah because as powerful as they are, you wouldn't think that they had to answer to a higher group. Sure. But I think based off of what this person, of what Jesse said, the Kabbalah actually answers to the Mothers of Darkness. Wow. Okay. And she consistently referred to the Mothers of Darkness as the system. Mm. So she, she breaks down the, the power structure that at the very top you have – five mothers of darkness and out of the five mothers you have three queen mothers and they they are given particular rules that i i can't remember right off the top of my head i mean it's just within the last couple weeks that i started looking into this but but at the very top you have the five mothers and then they have correspondent male counterparts called the five merlins and they kind of run the upper echelon of the mothers of darkness and it's said that they are the ones that commune with the the dark forces to figure out what exactly it is that we are trying to enact in the physical plane of existence. Mm. So, so that's their job. Kind of an oracle of sense uh, uh, in a way that they are communicating with Lucifer or the generals of you know, his armies or, or however you want to look at it. And then the, they're the ones that communicate with the, the next rung down, which would be the, the Council of 300. Or um, what, what was the term you said, Jason? The uh, Committee of 300, right? Yeah. There wouldn't be the 13 bloodlines in the middle. It would go straight to the 300 council. Yeah. Yeah. I think the blood, I think the bloodlines run vertically through and not sure. horizontally. Sure. Does sure. Okay. Sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you have the, the committee of 300 and then the subsets like the Bilderberg group and like the CFR and all of that, but all of them are under the direction of the mothers of darkness, at least as far as this particular breakdown works. Mm-hmm. And then underneath the the think tanks in, in, in secret organizations, then you have the, the high priests and priestesses. And that's where the castle actually comes in because she says that the, the council in, in, in Belgium is a little bit um, misrepresented, that it's not like the headquarters. All right, guys. Well, that's the first hour or so. I'm not sure exactly how long that was, but... Uh, We talked for about two hours, uh, a little over two hours here. So there's quite a bit over on the Patreon. If you want to go check it out, patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast. Full version of the episode there. We go deeper and deeper, guys. Hope to see you there. Thank you.